This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? Good to see you. What a beautiful Sunday. I think fall is trying to make its way to South Florida. Can I get an amen? Um, You know, it's this time of year. I don't know if you guys feel it, but my internal clock is like leaves, please change, uh, weather, turn a little cooler. And we experienced some of that this last week, um, which, which was great. So good to have you. We're actually, what we're gonna do in... A few weeks on a fifth Sunday this month, we're going to have a harvest festival. We've had these before where we pretend minimally like it's the fall. Come on, somebody. And uh, we're going to do something really fun with our kids and everybody's invited. It's going to be at another location because we're going to have it inside and turn the AC way down so that we can actually have some lattes and stuff like that and just hang out. We might even do a leaf drop from the ceiling. I don't know. That, that's, that's kind of in the works. We're trying to figure out how to pull that off. Um, but it's going to be great. And it's an opportunity really to invite some friends uh, to come out. Maybe people that never have been around believers just to hang out and have some good fun. It's going to be early in the day. That actually does fall on Halloween. That wasn't planned by us. It just happened to be the fifth Sunday. So it's not like a Halloween event uh, for all the people that want to email me. Come on, somebody. Uh, it's not a Halloween event, all right? It's, it's, it's actually just a time to celebrate God's harvest in our hearts and the potential of what he wants to do in this region, have some good family time together, and it will be from two to four. And then if people want to go and do whatever that evening, they're welcome to do it. So we're just catching uh, a crowd of our family here at Harbor in that time frame. We'd love to have you come out. Our Harbor at Home groups, which we're going to be in next weekend, if you guys haven't been a part of them, there is some powerful things happening. Come on, somebody, give a hand clap for that. What's going on in our Harbor Home Groups? It's amazing. And jump in. There's some groups that are still open and available to be accessed. And uh, we're asking you to jump in on those because they're going to actually support this event. What we're trying to do is we're trying to cultivate in our hearts family, you know, the simplicity of just being together and family, and then taking it to the community. What if, what if the Lord just wanted to do those two things in this next, next little time period? Like, hey guys, why don't you guys focus on real relationships with each other and then taking the love of those relationships out to the world? So that's what we're doing. So Harvest Fest is coming up. Harbor at Home next Sunday. It's going to be amazing. And then we'll be back here um, next the, the next two weekends from now. So make plans to come, invite everybody, and uh, we'll have a good time in here together. Wasn't worship just so beautiful today? Can we get up to worship team today? It was awesome. I don't know about you. I love you. Yvonne Green's heart and just the way she does what she does. I just wanted to just to breathe in, just keep breathing it in, right? Just just sit there for a little bit. She is such a beautiful soul. Thank you, Yvonne. Well, yesterday, um, I did an up and back. I woke up at 5 a.m., caught a one-way flight to Charlotte, drove an hour, almost two hours to Luke's homecoming game at North Greenville University. So if you're like, Darren, why does your face look like a watermelon right now? 
because I sat in the sun. You know, I was hoping, you know, just had that, I had that faith in my heart. Lord, it's gonna be cool weather. It was hotter than South Florida, y'all. I said, cancel the latte, give me a Gatorade. You know, I'm like, I, I sat four hours in the sun, got completely roasted, um, didn't bring a hat, anything like that, but it was awesome. But it was homecoming week for them. And for those of you that, that understand sport and stuff like that, on homecoming week, this is when people that were part of the, whether it's the college or the high school or whatever it may be, that used to be a part of those entities that are family, they homecome. They, is that right? Is that, they come home. <laughs> a little dyslexia mixed into my DNA. Homecome, come home. And, and they had, it was pretty cool. They had tables all set up on the lawn out in front of the stadium and they had food and it was awesome. And uh, normally what the team does, the coach does, is they pick a team that they're pretty much guaranteed to beat for that homecoming event. Are you following me? Because when you're coming back to your alma mater, when you're coming back to be part of family, how many of you know that you want to be on a winning team and not the losing team, right? As you celebrate, hey, this is my heritage, this is where I'm from, um, this is what, what you know, is, is part of who I am. It's, it's so interesting, um, I, I get just amazed by the, this phenomenon all the time that, you know, within our culture, a lot of, and I think this is something that God's correcting and we're gonna kind of go in, ease into this a little bit today. A lot of like our value, our worth, how we see ourselves is in the things that we identify with that we think are on a winning side. Whether it's a sports figure, whether it's a team, whether it's an organization, a business, and when we feel like maybe it's not on the winning side anymore, we, we switch teams, right? Just so we can go, hey, you know, I, I'm part of something great. I really feel like the Lord has us in a season as the body. And I don't say that just over Harbor. I say it over the church in general, especially here in the United States, where he's bringing us home. And he's actually reminding us of our value and our worth and he's given us clarity of vision to see actually where that comes from, which is immovable, even based on our circumstances, good or bad. We can be stabilized in Jesus so that we don't have to worry about what looks to be the score on the scoreboard. And we can find rest, peace beyond our understanding. It guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It's what God is giving to the world. He is giving his shalom. He is giving his peace to his people in the midst of a storm. So beautiful. I was in the back, we were praying before the gathering today and I, and I saw this kind of image in my mind of you know this guy panning for gold. You know, I come from the Pacific Northwest and that, that was the... The, the place in America along with Alaska and other, other territories where they came in this gold rush. They were hungry for something, you know, uh, that had shiny gold to it. And I, I saw this guy panning for gold 
And you know, at, at the beginning of how they pan for gold is they just throw all kinds of stuff in there, dirt, rocks, you know, and then they kind of filter it through the water. And as the water runs over, it removes all of the impurities. And at the end, what's left is this beautiful shining gold at the bottom of the pan. What if God was running over in a beautiful way, the water of his truth, the water of his word over our hearts, over our minds, over what we believe to actually give us the gift of himself, which is the greatest gift we could ever receive. How much stuff is in our pan that doesn't belong? Like God wants to simplify and he wants to shake back. I wanna show you a verse here because as God is bringing us into this uh, homecoming, I believe, his triumph, say that with me, his triumph is our triumph. Say that, is our triumph. The winning team has already been established. And as he brings us home, his triumph is our triumph. This is what God wants to establish in us today before we walk out of these doors. I know we have all kinds of feels going on in the room with whatever is happening in our lives, in our businesses, in our families, in our workplaces, with whatever particular scenario of our heart. But God wants us to understand that his triumph is our triumph. Matthew 24, 14, I love this promise that Jesus gives. How many of you know his promises are yes and amen? Can I get a better amen? His promise, what God says, it's not like he's just kind of throwing something out, hoping that it's gonna happen. He gives a promise and there's going to be a fulfillment of the promise. Look what he says. Yet through it all, so obviously he's given a preamble to everything he's gonna say. There's this, 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 this going on. Yet through it all, I love the language here, this joyful assurance of the realm of kingdom, heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed over all of the world. For, for so, so long, the body of Christ has been in this salvation mentality. It's even in the language of our evangelism. If you were to die tonight and stand before the Lord, would you be entered into heaven or would you be you know, cast into you know, that abyss? How many, you guys, you gotta understand this. The gospel of what Jesus is about encompasses our salvation, but it is way bigger than all of that. Way bigger. So he is moving the church as he brings us home from having a salvation mentality that was instituted way back in the day with Luther as he nailed his thesis. Thank God for that. But how many of you know it didn't really change things as it relates to people's hearts? There were wars, people got killed during that time period. It was a bloody mess. There is justification through Christ that saves us, that gives us positioning with him in eternal realities forever in heaven. But listen, God wants more than that, some futuristic heaven. He wants heaven flowing through his church right now. So Jesus is giving this promise. He says, through it all, there's this joyful assurance. 
Oh my gosh, are we gonna make it? Are we gonna get through this terrible, oh my gosh, Joe Biden, oh my gosh, Donald Trump, oh my gosh, COVID-19, oh my gosh, fill in the blank. Are we gonna make it? No, there's a joyful assurance rising in the hearts of his people. Assurance means you have bought in full stock, lock, it's lock, stock, and barrel. (laughs) Twisting it up today. And when he talks about proclaiming, he's not talking about being talking heads. People that are echoes, that have heard something, but aren't actually coming out of a place of experience and just getting up and spouting off words. No, there's authority in our lives because it's actually hit us in the heart and now we're starting to just overflow from what has transpired within us. Every nation. I love the beauty of that language because it literally means every single ethnicity on the planet. Everyone who's been silenced, everyone who has been pushed down, everyone who has been devalued, every nation will experience this proclamation. Look at this. He says, with a demonstration of the reality of God. Amen, let's go home, right there. With a demonstration of the reality of God. The world, listen my friends, is looking for a demonstration of the reality of God. They don't wanna hear about a demonstration. They don't want, you know, just religious talk, religious language. They wanna see something. Their hearts are craving something eternal, not reserved for a future moment when we take our last breath. They want to see it now. What better time to put God on display than in this moment in human history? Listen, everybody, you were made for such a time as this. You were born for this moment. The way you're wired, the way God put you together. I was talking to someone the other day and we were dialoguing about the profound implication of how God knew the time, as as Paul said, and the bounds of our habitation. He knew where we would live. He knew the timetable that we'd be brought into in human history. And he knew it because he made us for this moment. Everybody in this room. You see, there's the generation I'm I'm putting all my chips in on this statement. There's a generation that will rise and fulfill the purpose of God in the earth. Why not let it be us? Why not? Or do you just wanna wait and pass it on to another generation? No, we we wanna fulfill our purposes, right? And what God has. So what does that look like? I think it's just small little mindset shifts in how we see things and how we think of things. As it relates to God, as it relates to what he did through Jesus for us, as it relates to how we perceive the word of the Lord. That's why I'm asking Holy Spirit, I'm like, Lord, give me clarity of this simple gospel. God, give me grace from heaven. Give our team, give all of our communicators. 
that we have here that I believe are some of the best in the planet. Give us the ability to see rightly, declare with boldness what we see and perceive. And God, let it strike and hit the human heart to bring change. So look what Romans says, Romans 5, 17. Paul, who is, he, he really is the author of, of so much of what we need to grab a hold of. Verse 17. You gotta catch the language. He says, death once held us in its grip. <laughs> I'm very... Uh, emotional type person, and when I get emotional, I just start saying things. Anybody else like that? I actually like the steadies in our midst, you know, that just when things start, you know, they just remain calm. They don't say anything. Sometimes Wendy will just say, Darren, psst, just look pretty and psst. You know, I'll get emotional. I'll say stuff like, oh, I'm dying, I'm dying. It's, right? That's not a really good confession, amen? <laughs> because Paul is talking, he said, hey, listen, death once held us in his grip. By the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But I love these moments in scripture when he says stuff like this, but now. This is a but now moment. Can I say that legally in the church? This is a but now moment where God is trying to shift our way of thinking on how we've perceived things, where we would say, oh, death has, is ruling over the planet. No, death is not ruling over the planet. The only reason death is ruling over the planet is we're giving it leverage and authority and power by what we believe with our mindsets. It once held us in its grip, but now, but now, but now, but now. I love this. He says, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings? And this is not gender neutral. It's kings and queens over this life. enjoying your royalty. You need to think of yourself as royalty. You need to look in the mirror and say, I am royalty as king and queens in life, enjoying our regal freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. It's a time for freedom. It's an hour for freedom in the earth. And we are to enjoy this freedom. You know what? I was, Wendy and I were talking and we had a very vulnerable moment. I hope she doesn't mind me saying this today. Uh, yeah, she might. <laughs> But she was talking, she was saying, you know, Darren, for so long, I felt guilty about having a day where I felt happy. And I was like, talk to me about that. She's like, well, we deal with, you know, so many people's problems and situations that they're walking through in life. That when I have a good day and moment, I feel bad about feeling good. I, I say that because in, in your life and in my life, that may not be our story, but what I, what I am trying to say here is there is an adversary that is trying to suppress your freedom to actually feel like you're reigning in life. However, he's trying to twist it over your mind and your belief. 
And we just made an agreement the other day. We're like, listen, we are gonna empathize, have compassion for all of the situations that we know going on in all of the lives that we're privy and privileged to, to have a part in helping to steward. But we're not in the midst of that gonna take on some unnecessary, ungodly, demonic, from the pit of hell burden that when we have a good day, we have to feel guilty about it. Because troubles, right, will come. We'll have challenges, and we might as well enjoy the moments when we don't have those challenges. A lot of times religion makes you feel like, well, listen, you're just going to have to just take it on the chin all of the time, and your days are going to look pretty bad all of the time. You know what? Even when they are bad or when it's challenging, we can have joy, like Peter, Paul said, in the midst of it all. able to enjoy the perfect righteousness of the one and only Jesus. Darren, break that down for me. He's made everything right. And we can enjoy the rightness that he has made in the earth, in our lives. You see, death once reigned through three things, guilt, shame, and pain. And we need to start taking on guilt, shame, and pain in the church. And start to, out of that victory, bring it into the world. Everybody, listen to me, is living under guilt, shame, and pain. In fact, the demonic feeds off of pain. So it's a progression. It's like, oh, feeling guilty. You know, shameful. Oh, my goodness. Of, you know, whatever has happened that I've done or has happened to me. And then the pain begins to set in. But you see, God remedied that through Jesus, through the guilt, intimacy, can you imagine when you're, think of Peter when he was feeling guilty and when Jesus could have let her have it, he says, hey, let's sit down and have lunch together. An intimate moment. This is our God. This is our gospel. We get to have lunch with God when guilt is trying to come and take us over. Shame. That speaks to our hearts and tells us who we aren't. But identity counters that and tells you who you actually are. Breaks the power of shame. Pain, the integrity of the nature and leaven of the power, I'm gonna get into this in a minute, of the power of blood, of the blood of Christ is starting to flow again in our belief system. We're not left for the rest of our lives to be broken people because of whatever we've walked through. Integrity, the, the wholeness of God, spirit, soul, body is starting to manifest within his bride. So here's my question. With whom have we placed our faith? Because there's the Bible, there's the reality of what's in the word, but, but who have we placed our faith in? Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 18. He says, in other words, verse 18, just as condemnation came upon all people through one transgression, that's Adam. Okay, pause right there. You could place your faith in that reality. Transgression came through one man. Oh my gosh, Adam blew it. We're all under his curse. Truth, but not the whole truth. 
But then he says, so through one righteous act of Jesus, sacrifice. We're gonna get to that in a minute. Sacrifice, the perfect righteousness that makes us right with God and leads us to a victorious life is now available to, shout it with me, all. Where is our faith? Listen to it in your talk. When you say things, are you putting your faith and trust in what Adam has done or in what Jesus has done? It can't be both and it shouldn't be a mixture for sure. It should be one or the other. Both are realities, but there's a how much more reality. There's a but now reality in what Christ has done. Paul is trying to tell the Roman church about this because they're living in the midst of hell. They're living in the midst of a culture where they as the believers are being accused of all of the problems going on in that nation. Go back and study it out. The emperors were blaming the Christians for this, that, and the other, and many of them were losing their lives. Sound familiar? Five nineteen, he says, "One man's disobedience opened the door for all humanity to become sinners. So also one man's obedience opened the door for many to be made perfectly right with God and acceptable." on let this let this sit in your not just in your mind let it come from your mind down into your heart look what he says as we were included in adam we have now become included in christ by being say this with me repositioned in him <clears throat> that is huge right there we were one way in our positioning, and through Jesus, we have been repositioned in Christ. How do you see yourself? This is important. Going back to Matthew 24, 14, if there's gonna be a generation on display, God working through them, who are not just talking about God, but showing God through their lives, they are the ones who have been and see themselves as those repositioned in Jesus. Here's how the gospels repositioned us. Number one, write this down, in the depth and breadth of our faith and love. I've already told you, we've been talking about this all year for the last 18 months. God is raising up three eternal things for the church to focus on. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, what did Jesus do? Hope, he always keeps his promises. And love, the essence of God that we carry in our hearts, not just staying there, but flowing through us out to other people. He is repositioning us in the depth and breadth of our faith and love. Look at this quickly, and I'm gonna finish up, up here. Colossians 1.5, he says, your faith and love rise within you as you access all the treasures of your inheritance stored up in the heavenly realm. For the revelation of the true gospel is as real today as the day you first heard of our glorious hope. There's the word hope. Now that you have, been, have believed in the truth of the gospel. 
Secondly, in the depth and breadth of the eternal life of God that's flowing in us. This is the second thing that God is wanting to do. And I've been thinking about this a lot. Look at this in Colossians 1.6. This is the wonderful message that is being spread everywhere he's talking about. Powerfully changing the hearts throughout the earth, just like it has changed you. Every believer of this good news bears the fruit of what? Eternal life, heaven. Darren, that's mind blowing to me. I know, but it's not just about another day. It's supposed to be coming through us here. That's the point of what Paul is trying to say as they experience the reality of God's grace. Divine enablement is what that word means. And lastly, in the depth and breadth of our experiential redemption. Redemption means to be bought back. It's like, you know, back in the day when there were people taken into slavery, there were people who gave tremendous sacrifice financially to buy those slaves back to freedom. This is what Jesus has done for us. He has bought us back. Now, this morning, we wanna make that probably more practical in our lives. What has God brought you, bought you back from? What had a hold of you? What had you imprisoned? In, and, and what was working in your life that you know was not your portion? What has God redeemed you from? What is he still wanting to redeem you from? Where have you bought into belief systems that, that hold you bound still in those realities? I love this in 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 1, 13 and 14. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and translated us into the realm of his kingdom, his beloved son. Verse 14, for all our sins are canceled and we have the release of redemption through his very blood. Church, he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. You see, this redemption is restoring all things, okay? I, I was telling Wendy last night, I was, when I was in the airport um, coming back, I was sitting uh, in, the, in the seat, crowded terminal, waiting to get on the flight. Uh, three African-American brothers, one older was sitting next to me, two younger guys sitting across from me. And uh, this is the second time that I've gotten uh, recognized as, what's the actor's name? I told you about before. Not Will Ferrell, sorry. Not Will Ferrell. The guy that you were like, dad, you're cute, but not that cute. Come on, Ryan Greenhall? Ryan Reynolds, sorry, Ryan Reynolds. I don't look like Ryan Reynolds, but these guys thought I did, okay? They're like, and this is the second time this happened to me. They're like, dude, are you, they said it in a different way, like, Bro, yo, you and you, Ryan Reynolds, you know, and I'm like, maybe. <laughs> Why are you asking? You know. But I told the guy, I told these guys, and they, and they were having these conversations. It was like, you know, about one was in the in the Crips, and the other one was, you know, they're talking about their gang affiliation. I'm like, okay, I'm sitting next to these guys. They're engaging in conversation with me, but they're saying, hey, do you look like Ryan Reynolds? And I, you know, I said, I've had other people say that something like that to me before, and then one guy goes. Well, if they say that you're an actor, maybe you're supposed to be an actor, you know? 
And the Lord used what he said to me like, hey, if the word says that you're this and other people are saying it to you, maybe like that. And then I started going, Lord, bring redemption to these beautiful brothers that just you use that, you know, we think people are so far away and man, that God uses whoever to bring us truth. And we look at people through these lenses like they're lost or they're far. God, God, God is working all things for his good. I'm gonna close with Colossians. The band can come back up. I love this, this all things portrait. He says, he is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God, the firstborn and heir talking about Jesus, of all creation. Firstborn is the word prototype. Prototype, this is important to sometimes look in the Greek and see these things because prototype, it literally is this. A prototype is an original model from which something, and in this case, someones are patterned. So if he's the firstborn over all of creation, talking about those made in the image of God, you and me, this prototype is a pattern that he served as an example for, but didn't wanna leave it at that. In other words, there's something in what he looked like, what he did, how he behaved, how he acted, what his relationship was like in the Father and with the Father that he wants in us. <laughs> we carry his eternal, transformative, substantive, transformational reality because we have been bought back to his likeness through his sacrificial death. In other words, blood has been spilled. Now I want, I want us just to, in the sobriety and awe, in fact, if just close your eyes with me for just a minute, I wanna just say this. I want you to think about something. God himself wanting to have relationship with those that he made in his image, knowing full well that through Adam, we would not have the capacity to sustain in a world given the option of free will by ourselves. And the mess that Adam has made that we were born into and subsequently the mess that we have made caused God to demonstrate the most profound action of love where he left his royal abode of perfection, never knowing sin and coming to the earth to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. And when all that sin, listen to this church, when all that sin came upon him beginning in the garden, he began to sweat drops of blood, knowing full well that a sacrifice must be paid for this missing of the mark, he went to the cross. 
his side was pierced. He gave up his spirit. But right before he says, it is finished. And blood and water begin to spill from his side and begin that very moment to bring redemption to the earth. And the earth began to shake. Saints of old began to get up out of their graves and come and begin to testify to those that were still living of the kingdom of God and what they had been made privy to in their passing from one side of eternity into the other. Here's the question. Can you see it like they saw it on some level? Does he have to shake the earth again to that degree? I say no. Does he have to raise the dead like that again, like Lazarus and others to come and have to tell us what is meant for us now? I say no. I say under the anointing of God, by the grace of God, in the presence of his spirit, as the word of the Lord is becoming alive, we are seen clearly. Anything that was made, and now everything that was made finds completion in him. He is the head of his body, which is the church, and he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection. He is the most anointed one, exalted one, holding first place in everything. For God is satisfied to have all of his fullness dwelling in Christ, and now all of Christ's fullness dwelling in his church. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to the original intent, restored to innocence again. The power of redemption is both working in us and through us as we re-present him to the world. Church, rise up. I want to pray this prayer over you out of Ephesians. It says, I pray, open up your arms and your hearts. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immerse and immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Jesus from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted far above every ruler, authority, government, and realm and power that is in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, his church, are his body on the earth and that which he fills him who is being filled by all of it. As they sing this song as we wrap up, I want you just to let God take what's already in you and begin to bring increase to it as you perceive and see 
that his victory is your victory as God is bringing us home to a team that has never lost, can never lose. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Oh, it is finished. in your peace today as we conclude and we ask Lord for it to become realer more evident to us than ever before and may your body rise in this moment may we truly sift everything down to the gold of Jesus and the gold of Jesus that lives on the inside of us destined for greatness Lord This is the promise. Come on, say it with me. This is the promise. This is our promise. This is our portion.
so beautiful. His presence. If you're joining us online, we're going to go ahead and conclude today. I'm going to share just. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.